2: Welcome back to the Moon Underwater, where our reverend guest does that make sense? Rev, rever, revered, revered. Revered. revered, revered. Well, yeah. maybe he's a revered reverend. We just—he's uh, got a lot of strings to his bow. <laughs> is, is but he's not an archer. He's not qualified to teach archery.
3: No.
2: Uh, is Russell Howard? Hello, Russell. Greetings. We're in the process of creating a fantastic bar slash pub that is akin to the Field of Dreams. Yeah and it reveals whatever you want it to reveal. That's right. But before we uh, continue stocking it, we need to find
4: out the answers to the Moon Underwater pub quiz. So I hand over to Robin. Thanks, John. Yes, it was a pub quiz about Bristol, where John and Russell hail from, or nearby. Um, So the first question was, what was the name of the Bristolian bodybuilder who played Darth Vader in the famous Star Wars series of films? Russell. It's David Prowse. Russell's gone David Prowse. John? Um i I did know that,
2: but I couldn't remember it, so I guessed uh, Lindsay Jenkins it was you just made up a name yep, <laughs> nice well, the that's interesting
3: that's thing that's that's is actually John's right because D- Dave Prowse was channeling the spirit of Lindsay Jenkins yeah <laughs> yeah to, yeah. to understand well what somebody who would try and take the universe over would be like <laughs> yeah yes, yeah, David Prouss famously played because uh, Lindsay Vader. Jenkins is also an <laughs> absent absent father,
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was Lindsay, yeah, Lindsay Jenkins did the, the heavy breathing, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Uh, question two was a <laughs> oh, yeah. bit of Star Wars trivia that my friend, uh, Paul, behind such rumors that, anyways, um, he claims that uh, uh Kenny Baker was inside the R2 D2 uh, uh, costume and he used to, uh, just beaten off. What's the next question, yeah, Rob? I've
4: heard that they used yeah, to yeah. sort of feed porn mags through the little slit, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Incredible yeah. image. Uh, question two was, um, Cary Grant was born in Hawfield, Bristol, but what was his real name? What was Cary Grant's real name? Russell.
3: I oh, actually went for Lindsay
2: Jenkins.
4: Lindsay Jenkins, again.
2: Yeah, I, I also have written <coughs> Lindsey Jenkins You've written it twice. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure.
4: It's Archibald Leach. Oh. No wonder he changed his name. There's a lovely blue plaque on Hewenden Road in Hawfield.
2: Oh, Archie nice. Leach is the sort of name of someone who sort of played for West Ham in the 1952 FA Cup final.
4: You don't get names like that anymore, do you? I mean, we don't get Archibalds, but you don't get many leeches. You know what yes, I mean? Yes, agreed. It's, it's strange. strange. Uh, anyway. Certainly don't as a first name. Leech. Yeah. <laughs> this is my son, Leech. <laughs> uh...
3: <laughs> this, is Question my, three. this is my daughter, Festa. <laughs>
4: Uh, Question three was about the Bristol Stool Scale, which is a widely used diagnostic medical tool which was created in Bristol to classify different types of human poo. So how many categories did they come up with on the Bristol
3: Stool Scale? Russell, what are you saying? Uh, Complete guesswork um, going off my own, you know, limited analysis, but I'm going to say seven. Seven? Russell's gone seven.
2: John, what have you... (laughs) What have you gone for? Well, if I was going off my personal experience, I'd say sort of four or 500. <laughs> but um, I reckon it's eight.
4: It's <laughs> it is seven. Oh, well yes. done. So I suppose, Russell, you've got the kind of classic bowel.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty regular. I defecate a lot. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, I've got a pretty... Um, pretty high metabolism mm. so it, it, my um yeah my bowel movements are very much like i don't know if you've ever seen a uh, northern man come out of a log flume at aqualand benedon but it's it's real like we're out <laughs> do you know what i mean it doesn't it doesn't take a while it doesn't doesn't linger it's just like <laughs> see ya wow do you know what i mean a bit like you know when um that german footballer gobbed on reichard it's that kind of energy <laughs> What a
4: what a series <laughs> of disturbing images. Yes, well, yes, the Bristol Stool Scale seven categories ranging from type whoa, whoa, one.
3: Whoa, 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 whoa! You're not going to ask John about his shitter. You interrogated me.
4: <laughs> Do you want to talk about your your
2: movements, John? Probably not. Um, you know, uh, just just classic sort of between five and nine times a day, just like any healthy, regular sort of bowel movement i think that's what they say is about average about nine nine times a day isn't
4: it i reckon you're type five lacking fiber
2: Ooh. oh a lot of fiber in my diet thank okay. you very much if anything too much
3: okay
4: um we, you might be between types six it's got very anyway Yeah, type seven categories in the bristol stool scale scale <laughs> ranging from type one separate hard lumps to type seven liquid consistency so uh <laughs> sorry about that um you know, Maybe we should put a content warning at the top of the show, but thanks very much for the quiz. And Russell wins with two points to zero.
3: Two points to zero. Well done, Russ. The funny thing is, uh, liquid consistency was how this podcast was reviewed by the Times. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's a good thing. Um,
2: we move on to your next choice, which is two spirits. Are you much of a spirit drinker?
3: Well, I have a friend of mine who is uh, called... Simon Talbot, and he has a drink uh, that is a salted caramel moonshine whiskey. Oh my god! I had this at Christmas. Uh, what is it? This kind is it? It's called crack. <laughs> oh right! No, I think I'd
4: have remembered that. I definitely had a salted caramel booze at, at Christmas, but yeah,
3: it's this stuff. He he literally. Um, Came up with it during COVID. Really? Yeah. And it's absolutely delicious. I'm not really kind of into spirits, but it's, it's unreal. It's a Danish guy called Simon Talbot. Um, And it's, it's called Crack and he's trying to sort of expand it. He was just like, he's just a comic. Um, He's a really good comedian. And... um, he kind of came up with this little hobby, and it's kind of like blowing up, but it's amazing. Like a salted caramel whiskey, it's kind of got a bit like a bit of a Bailey's feel to it, where it feels like a very a Christmas, an anniversary, a birthday. Oh, let's have one of those. Let's round the evening off. It feels like a nice pudding whiskey. I'm I'm looking
2: it up in my mind, but my mind for some reason is only telling me about it in Danish.
3: Uh, but it it looks very impressive. That's the only place it's sold at the minute. Like it's literally it's. He's kind of, it's the equivalent of like, I'm trying to think, it, 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 it's the equivalent of like James Acaster selling it, bring, bringing out whiskey. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, and he just sells it after his gigs. Nice. I mean, I, I, I don't know if Acaster would do that.
2: They've got a clothing line. There's an off-menu clothing line from Percival. Have they? I mean, yeah.
3: who am I? Who am I, I can't judge merchandise, but wow. Good on them.
2: It's good stuff, man.
3: And Percival's a very cool brand. Do you know, I saw somebody wearing a uh, respite tour jacket when I was out in Bristol, and it was just their back to this window. And I was kind of walking past, and I was with my cousins, and they were like, you've got your fucking jacket on? And they were like, you've got to go say hello? So I did. I kind of like banged on the window, and this bloke (laughs) turned around with this real... Who's telling me to tell me? And it was like a really cool, it was a really cool moment. So I guess what I'm saying is merch can be really lovely. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Do you ever? Because it's quite a big thing over the last like ten years to invest in spirit brands. Have you ever? I know quite a few people who've sort of either started their own or like gone in. Have you ever been offered like to go in on the Hague whiskey scene? Or would you like twenty percent
3: in this t- certain gin? No, but weirdly, I'd quite like to. I'd like my friend to ask me mm. to invest in crack, and I've I've already dreamt. <laughs> not up. not often you hear that. <laughs> I know, but I've dreamt up. I, I I was telling him about the advertising. I could see it in my mind, and um, you know, I, I I know how to I I genuinely know how to shift some crack, but because it's really tasty and it's got an innately funny name, yeah, I I would love to do that. But no, I've not been asked to um to invest in anything kind of fun like that. I just, I don't know. It's like, like, I remember like Jimmy Carr wrote on one of Robbie Williams's songs and it's like, how do you find yourself in that world? Like, you, like, do you, like, do you know what I mean? You're chatting to Robbie Williams and you're like, you having you're in trouble with your new album? Like that, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But, I, but it would be so fascinating to be, I don't know, to find yourself in those worlds. Cause mm. I think everyone, there's, I think, have you ever seen Entourage? Um, and w- one of the characters, um, gets like crazy rich. And it's like one of the kind of hangers-on. He gets crazy rich from tequila. And I, you know, I often think about that, being like, you know.
2: But I always think with like those sort of Hollywood celebs who sell a like a gin company for 20 million or 50 million or whatever, I always think if you're actually someone who has tried to build a gin brand from the ground up, literally from like distilling it in your bedroom, must be quite frustrating when... All they've done is, like, signed a piece of paper, approved the box, mm. and then sold it on and made $30 million or whatever. It must be quite disheartening.
3: I know. That's what I'm saying. I want to be one of them guys. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> no, totally. It's. Yeah, but yeah. it's It's a bit like, I guess, how some comics would feel from, like, kind of, I don't know, TikTok sensations. Do you know what I mean? It's also, like, the, the,
4: the children's book and like the kind of novel yeah, market as well. You kind, of, yeah. you kind of get a big step up if you're already kind of fairly well-known.
3: But I often think about those guys though, not to get too deep in the cocktail hour, but it is that thing of, I was talking about this on uh, the website Joe the other day. And it's it's really true of like, if you have a hobby that you adore that gets you to a place of status or fame or whatever it may be, that. that Place of fame is quite a difficult place to navigate, but you'll always have your hobby. And these kind of very often children of superstars that kind of invest in things, they'll kind of get money, but they won't have the thing to hold on to that nourishes them when things are tough. Do you know what I mean? How do you feel about
2: someone who gets to a position of fame from their hobby, then just sort of stealing other people's hobbies because they've got the sort of status to do it but like people who just go well now i'm very famous for this thing i can have a go at all these other things
3: yeah well but see this is like i get offered you know and increasingly less so now but i kind of get you know certainly you know in in my younger years i was considered quite a beauty and i i, kinda, <laughs> <laughs> but I used to get get, but i get these kind of offers of you know sitcoms or kind of like do you want to audition for this or like a film or something but it's just I just I'm not interested in it. I know I'm not good and I would feel like a fraud and I just feel so lucky it's like I've been asked to write my autobiography a lot of times but I just I, I don't want to sit down and entertain myself uh, which is what I feel like like a great novelist a great writer must have that ability to really enjoy themselves I love entertaining people and thinking of funny things to say to people but without that process I just could I did I remember doing radio once on my own and I just couldn't do it because I felt like I was boring everybody so uh, it's not for me that I I don't really you know I don't really understand why you'd move sideways if you found something you adore.
4: So moving, moving on from that how do, how do you find it like working on new material when you have Kind of such a large fan base do you still know when something's good or something doesn't quite work or do you find that, that people because they love you so much kind of will laugh at you know anything you do <laughs> you know not that yeah, it's no, as simple
3: as that but I, I i definitely think there's there's a lot of people that do that i just i would never tour until it's ready mm. and so i do like there's a i do top secret comedy in in london and I do that. you can do two gigs a night, and it feels like that's a really normal they're not connoisseurs that you don't hear this laugh.
4: <laughs>
3: you don't hear that laugh <laughs> and i like and I'm not somebody that's after that laugh i like like to as I've said to John, I like going out there and pulling up trees <laughs> that i i kind of I really like just doing a big show, so I quite like trying to find normal people to see if it works with them. And it's just a case of just chipping away and making it as good as you can, and then going on tour. And then it's almost like you've put you've pushed it through the the prism of people who aren't your fans, so that when your actual fans get there, it's going to be amazing. Mm. But it's like last year, doing loads of gigs in like car parks and tree outside, sorry, fields and laybys and wherever it may be. When we weren't allowed to gig during COVID, I was I had this sense of going, God, this is going to be so great when I'm back with people that that have paid to come and see me. So I have a real genuinely I like have a real respect for for putting a show on tour. It has to be great. I could never I remember I find it amazing a lot of comics will kind of go out to Australia or they'll go to Europe or whatever and they'll work the show up. I just don't have that kind of confidence to to be able to just like that's right it's going to be great. It'll be fine. You know, I, I kind of have to go to small clubs and, and sometimes eat shit and it really hurts your ego because you're you're trying to work through stuff. But I don't know, the excitement you feel from going, that bit's going to be all right. I think when you lose that, you lose that desire to be a stand up when you have that idea and you're like, that's going to be all right when I figured that out, you know, so. Before moving on to
2: your second spirit choice, tell us about the tour that's coming up.
3: Oh right, yeah. It's um, it starts in April, um, and I think the tickets go on sale in October. Um, and I'm doing, I'm doing it slightly differently. I'm not doing arenas. I'm going to do like uh, two nights in each town, so I can kind of sort of do like two thousand seaters and make it less. Which is obviously, nice, still nice big rooms, but. There's something about being in a place for a little while and letting it kind of grow. I did that in Europe. And honestly, the amount of stuff that you get from just being in a place and kind of walking around and then adding to the show you already have, I kind of really enjoyed it. So,
2: Do you feel in arenas that there's sort of a balance between hearing a laugh of that many people being amazing, but losing the ability to sort of interact as much with the audience.
3: I've never been able to interact because it has to be this kind of all-powerful monologue. Because if there's fifteen thousand people there, you can't, you can't chance it that the guy in the front row is going to elevate your show. Joe, so, what, you, what did you say, John? Huh? Huh? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You, you, the, the silence is deafening. Yeah. So, like, and what, like, I, I improvise if something goes wrong. So I remember in in uh liverpool it was right the end of the tour and i kind of sneezed and and snot flew out of my nose and i caught it but because that's all on the big screen it's all on the big screen i've gone from the funniest coolest man in the room to the the biggest weirdo in front of ten (laughs) thousand people literally clutching my mucus and this this lovely lady was like saw that i was in peril And kind of like ran to the front of the stage, she had a handkerchief and I kind of (laughs) got it and sort of managed to like sort of slime it away. Um, And I kind of then joked about that and turned that into the show. But the, the, I definitely missed that. And I realized that in America and Europe, that I'm actually, one of my skills is being in the room and being funny in the room rather than always just go, this is the monologue. This is the way you do it. You know, I quite like adding to it, you know. And um, what's the tour called? It doesn't have a name at the minute. I'm not sure. What I don't, about... I, I don't know where... Go on, go on. The Russell Howard tour, as I live and breathe. I was going to... As I, was... I live and breathe.
2: Oh, that's good.
3: Oh, I quite like breathe. Ooh.
2: Yeah, that's sexier. It sounds less like the sort of thing you'd hear in an old man's pub.
3: Yes, <laughs> It was. It's definitely going to be, it might be called the, the Russell Howard UK tour. And then it's different from the Europe tour and the American tour and the Oz tour. But I quite like Duende. Now I'll tell you for why. Because a Duende, I was talking to a Spanish person that's in Lisbon. And they said that I was a Duende. And I said, you know, what, what does that mean? <laughs> like clenching my fist, ready for the fight. <laughs> like, and it turns out a Duende is a funny little goblin in spanish folklore that kind of mocks everything so i was like oh that's quite cool so i quite like the idea of um, of being a duende but the trouble is there's different when you put it into google a duende can be different things so yeah that makes it tricky i quite like maybe gagan jest which is a reference to liverpool oh that's nice but it's and it sort of describes me fast-paced Humor, gag, and jest.
2: Yeah, and you def- you defend very high up the field during a, <laughs> yeah, during yeah. a during a gig.
3: Yeah, so I think if you know football, that's kind of cute, and if you don't, it sounds like a nice word. Well,
2: I think you can't go wrong there.
3: Yeah, thank you. How about you guys? What what? Um, Robin, you've done. Have you done Edinburgh?
4: No, just uh, just more of these. Uh, even more of these. <laughs> oh, no, um, no, we did um, we did a couple of live shows. Um, of Moon Underwater in Edinburgh. Um, oh, nice! I haven't done an. I, I would like to do an Edinburgh show. I'm not really sure I can afford to. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, Yeah, I would. I, I definitely would like to do it one day. But yeah, I'm, I'm doing a few gigs in London and things, and, and Amazing. In Bristol. Um, Lovely stuff. And doing an, my uh, Beatles pod as well. I do a podcast about the Beatles. But yeah, no, you
3: know, I'm, I'm, I'm trucking. The Bristol scene feels really exciting at the minute.
4: It's amazing, yeah. It's great, and Mark Olver is still really about doing so much for it as well. Yeah, and especially in terms of like increasing diversity of the bills and making sure it's really good to kind of bills that have, have give everyone a fair shot and everything.
3: Yeah, well, I I remember doing them in so this, yeah January uh, earlier this year, just getting ready for America. Honestly, and it was so exciting, and everyone was so nice and there was a really lovely atmosphere and I had this really awkward moment I I was talking to John about this the other day there's a weird I don't know it's a British thing whether it's a I don't know a comprehensive school thing whatever it is but whenever you see somebody that you quite like or you, you would like them to admire you whether they're famous or in this case Bristol open spots I was in this little room looking at my notebook and Wanting to say hello to them, but being too nervous because my brain was going, "Well, they probably think I'm a cunt." So I just keep keep myself quiet, I just sit over here. And the problem is that arrogance and shyness look exactly the same.
2: <laughs> Story of my life. But it, it, but isn't it
3: true? And then so I ma- and basically I end up saying this on stage where I was like, "I wanted I wanted to talk to you, and you're all at the back now, and you're all watching me, and I wasn't sure whether you would, and now clearly you like me, and I feel really excited because they like me, they like me." And um, I don't know why I couldn't have a conversation with you, but it's because I found you intimidating. But now that's out of the way. We can all be friends. But it it was so true and so funny in the moment. I was terrified Mm. of these kids and they were terrified of me. And neither of us could do anything about it because the the reek of Britishness in the room, (laughs) it meant we were unable to connect, you know?
4: Yeah.
3: I've got a great story about that. Sorry. Chris Evans told me an amazing story about... Uh, Paul McCartney um Paul McCartney had just done TFI Friday and for me this this sums up what I'm driving at that he'd just done TFI Friday they finished the the show and Paul McCartney leapt onto a speedboat with Chris Evans and they went down the Thames because it used to be Shot at Riverside and as they were zooming away um, Paul McCartney turns to Chris Evans and goes, they still like me oh. and and but that's what I'm driving at yeah. if you if you have that hole in you that has Jesus a beetle has da- has self-doubt
4: yeah I mean
3: what hope for all of us yeah, yeah. but also that's why he's so great because that that self-doubt if there's a way of creating without fear and loathing I haven't found it. But it makes you create, but it also makes it very tricky to enjoy the creation. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. We must return. Sorry. That, to that the got pub no, That got too, too deep, didn't it? No, it didn't. It's good.
2: Superb. Is that alright? Superb stuff. <laughs> they still like me. <laughs> uh, what would be your second spirit after crack salted caramel moonshine? Ah, oh, just some heroin out back
3: in it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> just keep keep things moving along. Um uh, no, I'd probably go for I don't know if this counts, but Whatever goes in an espresso martini, because um, at my uh, I'm, I imagine it's martini uh, with an espresso and a bit of maybe Kalua. Does that go in there?
2: I think it would be vodka, uh, coffee, and Kalua. But you could have an espresso martini as your spirit
3: if you like. Let's have that because at my wedding, where you were, John, mm-hmm. um, they the the espresso martinis came out, and that it 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 poured fuel onto the fire. And it yeah, just yeah. it turned a, a, an already great day into a really great day. And everyone was just lovely and bendy and annihilated <laughs> and people were falling out of windows. And it I, I actually went back to the venue where we got married and um because a friend of mine was getting married there and one of the waiters was there and he was like, Oh, I was uh I was working at yours and, it, and he looked at me and went Bit of a big night, wasn't it? Like and I was kind of going, yeah, yeah, it was, you know, it was like that. And then the DJ who'd also DJ at our wedding was like, yeah, I was DJing at your night. Cool, that's, uh, that went off, didn't it? Like, and you suddenly go, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, our wedding isn't like most weddings at
2: that venue. I think the espresso martinis at your wedding was a bit like a sort of parents of lots of kids going, oh, they're almost ready for bed. Um, <laughs> should, should we get out the cake and ice cream in Haribo? and just suddenly
3: you know no one's going to bed we don't have one photo of us where people are throwing the confetti in our newly married faces because my friend my uncle kevin is in every photo kind of going like (laughs) gurning and like shrieking and swearing (laughs) i I love every one of those photos but it's like a flick book for alcoholism where you just like (laughs) like you sort of see all of it it's terrible that's so good
2: well, uh, we have now added espresso, martinis, and a crack to Corona, two paddocks to Pinot Noir, Amstel, and Guinness. But Robin, we must re- repass? Replete? Mm. Go to? Go to uh, the Moon Underwater Pub Library to find out what's being added this week. Mm.
4: Thanks, John. Yeah, welcome to the Moon Underwater Pub Library. This week it's a novel called the Forensic Records Society, and it was recommended um, to me by Andrew Cole on Twitter, so thanks for that. So this is um, a novel uh, by Magnus Mills, came out a few years ago. And I'll just read from the start because it will give you an idea of what it's about. But um, some, some lovely pub scenes. I put my coat on and headed for the half-moon, arriving at nine o'clock precisely. James was already there, sitting at the counter with a pint of Guinness. "'There's one for you in the pump,' he announced. George was occupied behind the bar, but when he noticed me, he gave me a nod and began filling a glass. "'Have you asked him yet?' I inquired. "'No,' said James. I thought I'd wait until it was a bit quieter. "'What are you two scheming about?' George demanded. "'Well,' said James, "'we were wondering if the back room would be available on Monday evenings.' "'Might be,' said George. "'Depends what for?' "'We were thinking of starting a forensic records society.' "'Oh, yes,' George leaned in closer and lowered his voice. "'Police work, is it?' "'Of course not,' I said. "'We mean records to listen to.' "'Music?' "'Yes.' "'There's a dartboard in the corner,' said George. "'Isn't that enough entertainment?' "'It's not quite the same,' I replied. "'Or you may like to try a game of chess.' James ignored this distraction and stuck doggedly to his brief. It doesn't have to be Mondays, he said, but we thought it might help improve trade on a quiet night. Oh, did you now, said George. I've prepared an advertisement, he disclosed, opening up the document and laying it on the counter. The notice was hand-drawn in red and black felt tip. Forensic Records Society, meets here, Mondays 9pm, all welcome, bring three records of your choice. So, <laughs> it's a great book. It's about, so it's about a group of guys who decide they want to start a club where... Each person brings three records, three seven inches, and they all listen to them in total silence, and no one is allowed to say anything about them.
3: <laughs>
4: nice, it's great, but it's a really good book because it's about. They started with this really idealistic version of how it will be, but then a rival group starts, and then it kind of starts to fall apart, and it's it kind of ends up being about how you can't really ever have anything
3: perfect. Oh, nice, but
4: but it's a really good. It's a great. It's it's really very funny, and it's um. Some lovely pub descriptions in there as well.
3: It reminds me of that... Do you know that song? Is it by Courtney Barnett? The... Let's start an anonymous club. Have you Um, ever heard that song? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, nice.
2: What was the name of that book again, Rob?
4: It's called The Forensic Records Society by Magnus Mills.
2: Magnus Mills. There it goes onto the shelves of the Moon Underwater pub library. Uh, We also have a jukebox here, Russell. And uh, I know you're a big music fan... So what, now your pub does provide its patrons with whatever they want, but what one album would you want them to be hearing or to be the background to their desire fulfilment?
3: I would have uh, a Beatles medley. Ooh. It's just That's just your basic. So, you know, you put all your Beatles songs on shuffle and they're just playing away quietly in the corner because they'll always ensure... A bit of energy, a nice bit of energy. But like you say, depending what's in your soul and your hand hovers over that jukebox, you never know what your Fonzie Fingers is going to deliver.
4: <laughs> so are we saying every single song by the Beatles? So we've got a chance that Revolution 9 might just slip on to the jukebox at some point? Or are we talking like the big hits?
3: Let me have a look. I'm, I'm looking at what have I got. It's, um, hang on, sorry. Uh, It's artists Beatles um I I don't have Spotify I'm old school so it's the Be- it's the Beatles box set. I just I just don't I, I feel like I can afford 79p for a song
4: the, the, oh the, the one with all the American albums on it is that the that Beatles one? box
3: set yeah and there's there's all manner of songs so you've got yeah it's pretty much everything
4: that is really good because with that big box set you get all the, you get a lot of the mono versions which are quite hard to well you can buy the mono box set but I've had problems with putting Beatles on in the pub where I worked, where I got the left speaker here. Yes. And everything I read, it's hard. Some of the ones, the stereo ones that are hard panned. Yeah. You know, you get Paul in the left speaker and then in the snug, you get Ringo. <laughs> yeah.
3: It does that on hard days night because I've, I've had that exact same problem that you just hear them, you hear one side and it just sounds ridiculous.
4: Yeah, that's why, you know, like the, the mono ones are really good to get hold of. The, the mono box set that came out in 2009, because they, they mixed them all. Sorry, it's very boring now. But they, mi- they They sort of spent all the time sort of mixing them in uh, in mono up until the White Album was the last one that was mono and stereo. And then someone would just do the stereo mixes quite quickly, like yeah. put this over here, put that over there. So the mono ones had kind of more care put into them.
3: Really. Oh, nice. Mm. Well, there you go. Well, we'll have the mono jobs.
4: Nice.
2: <laughs> you, you find yourself in the company of one of Britain's leading Beatles experts. Oh, Russell. I'm not. I'm not. I enjoyed
3: not that. No. Yeah, but, I've, but you've given me a nice bit of trivia that I can talk to Kumar about where I'll say, you know the, why that song was knackered? Something, <laughs> something to do with the mono. Listen to this podcast, you'll get <laughs> it.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well,
2: What's well, so going to be your wild card choice for this this bar of wild cards? Ayahuasca.
4: Really?
3: Yeah. <laughs> wow. I just, thought, I just think, like, you know, I've read a lot about it. So ayahuasca with, like, a certified shaman. and uh, That's key know, with ayahuasca, I've heard. Yeah, yeah. I've heard it's vital. And, that, like, you know, from my extensive sort of searchings on the internet, I just can't find somebody that I can reliably go, that's the guy or girl. Or, you know, so, you know, if we could find a, a top draw sh- shaman, shaman, that the pub paid for, and every so often if people were like, listen, I want to vomit out all the badness and shit out all the madness and come out of the uh, shaman room uh, recalibrated, that's what this pub offers. But not not on Wednesdays, cast darts night. <laughs> okay, not on Wednesdays. <laughs> Are you as
2: tempted as you are terrified by the prospect of something like ayahuasca?
3: Of course, yeah. But it's the same as like psilocybin or ketamine. But I've like been reading up about all this. There's there's loads of really interesting research that it's ketamine, psilocybin and uh, ayahuasca have had like, like major breakthroughs in terms of dealing with trauma. And, you know, not that I particularly, you know, feel like I suffer from it, but I would it just feels like it it seems to reconfigure your neurons and just recalibrate you. And it like there's been like soldiers that are in the Gulf War that had like chronic PTSD that have just been kind of fixed by taking psilocybin or ketamine with a therapist. And they give them, I believe it's Terence Mechanicals at a heroic dose. They give them a big amount of it and they they kind of talk to them through it and by all accounts it kind of it really helps so i i I find the idea of like i'm not really into the idea of those things to just get off my head i love the idea of finding something that could make a better me but that's part of my brain. I buy all sorts of caper. I refer you to these yellow glasses I bought recently. But, like, <laughs> they I. They just I, stop I,
2: headlights glaring at night.
3: No, it's because, like, the lights are bad. To have um, bright lights after um, eight o'clock is bad. So you go around looking like. Um, Ali G. W- one of the backstreet boys. Oh, and right. That's fine. But, but, so I'm really into it from that point of view. And I think the best place to have really thorough sort of medical research and a drug that may create a real surge in self-healing is a pub.
2: So you're not into recreational drugs, you're into creational drugs.
3: Yeah. I like the idea of I dunno who doesn't. Like, do you know what I mean? I I don't want to get I don't want to get off my fucking head. I want to Yeah, I want to sort of just fix it and feel more at ease.
2: Well here, here to that intent. And fingers crossed, research will be
3: done. Well, there's a guy called Tim Ferriss that uh, is a really great podcaster. Um, and he does lots of interviews and has done lots of research with this. If, if anyone's interested in that, it's a really it's a really fascinating area. I actually emailed a group that were uh, doing it and asked if they wanted any investment in it, but they didn't get back to me. <laughs> well,
2: because you said to them you'd already invested in crack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's one of our key competitors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we now leave the Johnny Come Fly Nightlies to find out who uh, Russell Howard's dream pub companion is, but we'll be back very soon. And if you'd like to gain access to this, uh, amongst other things, head to moonadapod.com and click on the Patreon link. You're barred. We now return to uh, the Johnny Come Fly Nightlies. Nightly's superb insight into Russell Howard's pub companionship and uh, a wonderful story about his two companions but now, Russell, we have one, well, we have two final bits of admin. Uh-huh. First off, as you're in charge of this Field of Dreams pub that gives you access to what you need, it has Guinness, Amstel, Corona, Pinot Noir, two paddocks introduced by Sam Neil, espresso martinis, crack, salted caramel moonshine, and ayahuasca. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, got, it's got a Beatles medley playing uh, on the jukebox. But there's something that you're not going to
3: allow. What are you barring from this pub? Really loud music. Okay. That gets in the way of conversation and 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 majestic moments, you know, like that. Mm. And that's like particularly, you know, like those songs, like I'm trying to think those, like this kind of those 90s bangers that are just utter tripe. Do you know what I mean? That just get in the way. You get them in gyms a lot. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, like that kind of, you know, I just, I hate it. Um, But something just sort of billowing in the, in the distance kind of creating like sort of liquid emotion. I've got no problem with, but anything. Liquid consistency. Liquid consistency. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, I I want music like a number seven shit. (laughs) (laughs) But, (laughs) but yeah, it's, uh, we should probably have a bog analyzer as well. So, because mm. everybody, because interestingly, since you've said that, there's seven different types. We should have a man or lady in the toilet checking everyone's faecal matter so that they can come out and go, hey, you're a six, you're a two, you're a four, you're a three. Gillian McKeith's
2: not up to much these days. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's yeah.
3: she's a COVID anti-vaxxer. And that's a prominent turd sniffer, and not been busy for a while. So I think we could get her... <laughs> we could probably get her cheap. cheap let yeah, me yeah, yeah. let me get onto that because I got a couple <laughs> I got a couple of contacts with my extracurricular health activities. I probably know somebody who knows her. Um so yeah that I just don't it, I just don't feel the need for it. It's one of those things. It's a real no-no loud music. It's an absolute no-no. It's like people that wear kilts, fucking behavior. Like, oh, I'm Scottish, just fuck off. Um, and wow. I don't like hot where, air. Where did I, that come from? I just. It's like you see him at weddings, like, like oh, fuck off with your bollocks. You're not like, yeah. yeah. Anyways, I don't like hot air balloons. And <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really don't like people that have big dogs. What's the fucking point? There was one the other day, my dog's not very well. He's got terrible god knows what where he's on the scale but he's got bad kidneys so i have to sort of check his poos to see if there's they're okay and there's no kind of blood in them and whatnot and i get various looks because i'm famous and i'm caught glaring at shit a lot but um whenever i see a big dog i just think well what's the point of it you've only got that so that dog can kill other things you've i have no time for it and that's how i feel about loud music loud music in a pub is like a Big Rottweiler, in a kill in a hot air balloon. I,
2: I think this tour is going to be Russell Howard Unleashed. Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> Saying the unsayable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
3: exactly. <laughs> I don't like big dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and I cannot lie. I cannot lie. No, I just, I just really, I just don't, and it's all that tripe. Oh, it depends how they're raised. Fuck off. But you love dogs. I love dogs, but I don't like big, like when you see somebody who can't control their dog, yeah. And, and, and it's, and like you're in a park, and it, it's just like, I'm very anxious about that. And the, the uh, I was sort of, I remember talking about this, that in my head, I'm, I wish I wasn't like this, but this is where the ayahuasca comes in because I'll be with my little dog who currently isn't particularly well, and I'll see bigger dogs. And in my head, I'll go into this, you know, sort of like, right, that dog comes any closer, I'll step in and, I will exterminate that mutt and then his owner comes over and I'll deal with him and then he's wearing a kilt that doesn't help yeah and if if anyone else wants some I'll find some nunchucks that I've hidden and I'll I'll rain the pain and then my wife will be like "what are you thinking about like, her" ah, yeah <laughs> you know, and it's, it's it's sort of I I'd love to rid myself of that fear because mm. it it could be that someone wearing a kilt's a good guy it, it, they just I don't know. I was once
2: out walking with my ex and the conversation sort of dried up a bit. And she said, are you all right? And I went, yeah. And she said, what are you thinking about? And I said, oh, nothing. She goes, tell me what you're thinking.
3: I went, I'm thinking about trench warfare. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was. Were you, th- were you thinking about that from a the poetry point of view? W- what like, Because see, now, that's how I would
2: I... How I would survive in a trench warfare situation.
3: Yeah. Yeah, See, yeah, yeah. but for me, that instantly makes the conversation brilliant because I'd be like, wow, okay. So were you thinking poetry? Were you thinking, are you thinking survival? And are you thinking just the, is it the, is it kind of whizzes over? I remember I went to a paintball site in Sheffield once and it was, they'd done like a thing where they'd recreated Sarajevo as it was, and it was absolutely chilling. Like just feeling all these kind of like bullets whizz past and you're like, oh it was a real moment where you're like, "Fuck, I'd have just died." Fuck. Mm. I think I would have
2: found my my nightmare is being in an awful scenario like that with a with a niggling injury or discomfort. <laughs> I I think the trench foot would have just eroded my. My confidence, my ability to think, I would... Or if I had, like, a splinter that got infected or mm, all of mm. those little annoyances they had to deal with. It was the
4: knits was the big one, wasn't it? Yeah, and, the, in and the, lice. Uh, lice in the seams of your, your, your clothes, yeah.
2: Like, being uncomfortable. And then, obviously, you know, the absolute horrors of war. But there's a story about Terry Waite, which stuck with me, when he was taken captive. So he was captive for about six and a half years the first day he was given uh, a pita bread with some salad in it and some hummus to eat, he bit into it and cracked a tooth in half.
3: Oh. Was that because he had poor dental hygiene? No, just
2: because the olive had a stone in it. Fuck me. Imagine trying to find and deal with that in captivity in Libya in the 80s and trying to communicate to your captors what's happened. And I think that would have annoyed me. This—I'm not being flippant, but dealing with like dental pain yeah. in that situation would have been too much. He was also kept in a room for two and a half years with a diesel generator. That the exhaust from the diesel generator came into the room, and it gave him terrible chest problems. Oh my god!
4: Podcast's taken a peculiar turn, but,
3: <laughs> <laughs> but like I say, like I say, the. Um... Sometimes the door shows you which way you gotta go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pub has revealed this chat, So mm, this mm, is the sort of chat mm. you have in a pub. And the way to look upon that—sure, it's tough. It's we're, we're at a, but but the you have to take the positive spin on that is how lucky we are that we're a, we're able to have access to an NHS dentist. And I believe, because there's an advert on telly at the minute, that if you owned a diesel car, you can get money back.
2: Yeah, I mean, th- there are positives. I think access to NHS dentists might be quite tricky at the minute.
3: Well, it's getting trickier, but that's, you know, as someone that has insider knowledge, don't hate the dentists, hate the government. Yeah, yeah. That's because the, gov- the dentists are being hung out to dry. Yeah. And they're the ones that are taking the shit, but actually it's uh, cuts into um, dental funding but the uh, the government played a real a real killer move there. Yeah. It has changed, hasn't it? And it changed this pub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a um
4: I broke my tooth during lockdown. Oh. it's quite hard to go into a dentist. Yeah, now impossible, yeah. Social distancing and I had to take a photo of it. But my dentist said it was the best photo of a tooth that she'd ever seen.: from oh, a patient. oh, that's nice. And
3: that is a real window into you know, for some people, it was the last dance on Netflix, but no one knew what got you through that tough time. No. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it was It was also a nightmare to organize the shoot during um, lockdown for the tooth.
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: How did you knock it out, Robin?:
4: Um, it was nuts, okay. It was nuts, uh, yeah. On a on a root-filled tooth, which get oh. ve- root-filled teeth get very brittle. So you know, um, yeah. Uh, they, so you know, you might need a crown if you've got a root-filled tooth. Just putting it out there.
2: Oh, well, I had to have a root canal through a crown. Jesus. Oh. Yeah. Imagine paying a grand to have your tooth capped, and then them going, "Ah, oh, us not solve the problem." It's
4: going to be another eight hundred quid.
3: Text in for your uh, your favourite dental mishaps. So,
4: uh, can... <laughs> I, what I did like about my actual <laughs> dentist last time I went. Um...
3: Let's have a dentist in the pub, <laughs> yeah. just just in case anyone's yes. having trouble.
4: You know when, when you know when you um, go down the teeth and he's saying like yes this one's fine this one's fine this one's fine yes x y nine and then he goes over the line one two and that a, a lovely phrase. It's when, when you got to the kind of middle of the mouth. Over you, the line. You went over the line and then did the kind of mirror, the mirror teeth.
2: When I was a little kid, our dentist had a code with his assistant and there were different animals. So we would say uh, two crocodiles, uh, a monkey, uh, uh, a parrot. And I loved it, imagining yeah. all the different animals in my mouth. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> well... So you're banning loud music. Yes,
3: yes. <laughs>
4: Fifteen <laughs> minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> so you can have so you can have conversations like this. Imagine the chat we just had about about teeth, and, tr- and trying to have that with um, you know Chakadivas and Pliers blaring in our ears. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I bad. quite like that song, but yeah, that's mm. the only song I can think of. If what's a good one? I was a rented sound. I was a rented sound. That one, that crap one.
2: Oh, you like me? Oh, you like my style? That one. What's she going to look like with a
3: chimney on her? Yeah, that kind of muck. kind <laughs> of
4: <laughs> Hurry up, please. It's time.
2: Russell, it's been such a pleasure to have you here at The Moon Underwater, and it has genuinely felt like a pub chat.
4: Yeah, it has. Yeah.
2: Um, we just have one more thing we need you to do, and that's to give this wonderful pub a name. Okay, um, I'm going to call it The
3: Great Swig. Mm. Oh! <laughs> Which it. I believe I've stolen from you, because I think I've heard you say that. Um, we, should have a, we should have a great swig. Yeah. And it's it's something that I often say with my cousins, and I belong to a WhatsApp group with them called The Great Swig. Oh, that's so nice. So whenever we kind of meet up, we have to organise the, the next Great Swig.
2: Yeah, I used to say Swig a lot. I've moved to Lash now. Oh, really? Yeah, so so it's like the the pre-Lash, the side Lash, Turbo Lash. Uh, Tim Key's a very good person at delineating different Lashes, as you can hear on the podcast that we did with Tim. But yeah, big swig, great swig, heavy swig. Fordy also was big into the swigs at a time. Yes. But this is how language
3: evolves. It certainly is, yeah. Uh, but I, I like the the great swig. And for me, it has to have a photo of my kind of cousins who all look like me, like lovely bony faced chaps with like lots of eyes and teeth and noses going on. And um, they're all kind of like... Holding up these kind of foamy pints, and there's a real mm. sense of wee, you know, the great swig, the great swig, good name. And um, the um, the side pub is the uh, the Lash Bash, the Lash That's, Bash, the Lash Bash is the nightclub around the corner for John. You going Lash Bash? Yeah, 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 okay, Lash Bash. <laughs> Um, apparently, they when I was a kid, there was a, I lived in a place near like I say, called Ropley. And it was near Four Marks. And it was a pub, pub called The Windmill. And by all accounts, when we moved away, they had this like old... It used to be like a skittle alley. And then it had like um, a lap dance club at it. But which I often thought... Like in the middle of like some village in the middle of Hampshire. Fucking grisly. Mm. That, um, what I'm trying to say is the Lash Bash won't be like that. It won't be like an at, out, after hours muck club. It'll be... <laughs> after hours It'll be like, you know... And, and it'll, be a, it'll be a nice nightclub where you open the door and that nightclub provides you with whatever you want. Mm. But with quiet music. With no 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 the the lash bash is its own place. Oh it's a throbber. If you need music <laughs> if you need <laughs> it's a throbber. That's it. Lash Bash, it's a throbber. That's yeah um but yeah it, it it's whatever you need it to be. Well,
2: Russell Howard, uh, the Great Swig and the Lash Bash are now yours to take away with you whenever you need them most. Yeah, 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 yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. They're not for me. They're for the people. bit like that bloke that left Central Park behind for the people in New York. Mm. Um, that I would like to donate uh, these imaginary pubs to the imaginary listeners. To the actual <laughs> No, the actual listeners. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be great. So they can have them?
2: nice well you're all welcome to the great swig to the lash bash not
3: on Wednesdays that's darts night that's <laughs> darts
2: night so well you can come on Wednesdays but please bring your darts Vital.
4: Yeah, there might be a bit of a clear up after ayahuasca night
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. okay, no, there's, there's a lot of fucking vomiting shit in here it's uh, ayahuasca night Alan please <laughs> yeah.
2: um, so Russ thank you so much we bid you farewell and uh, we really appreciate your time here in the moon underwater
3: thanks